1: Today on the Indo-Daily, tiaras, thrones and troubles, let's do a royalty check. Well, Britain's Prince Andrew has settled a whopping figure of £12 million in a sex assault lawsuit with Virginia Dufresne, a woman he claims he has never met. Andrew is the latest of royal descent to dominate global headlines for all the wrong reasons, but he's certainly not the first prince across the globe who has fallen from grace. I'm Denise Kalnan, and today on the Indo Daily, we're going to take a look at some of the scandals that have rocked monarchies all across the globe. I'm joined by Tanya Sweeney, features writer at the Irish Independent, and now potentially our new royal correspondent. Tanya, this week, it was really a case of nothing to see here with Prince Andrew and his alleged £12 million settlement to Virginia Dufresne. What are your thoughts on this?
0: Yeah, nothing to see here, nothing to apologise for, nothing to explain. It's been a really crazy week, hasn't it? I mean, I, I'm sure everyone kind of understands by now that, um, you know, the, the the Duke of York has agreed to make a donation, a significant donation to um, uh, Jufre's, uh, charity, which is called Saw, um, which is involved with supporting victims' rights, and he has pledged. Now, this is his words: uh, to demonstrate his regret for his association with uh, Epstein, which is Jeffrey Epstein, the convicted paedophile and trafficker, by supporting the fight against the evils of sex trafficking and by supporting its victims, um, which I'm sure they're going to. Um, embrace him with open arms. I've I've absolutely no doubt. But it's been a huge kind of. I mean, it blew up online. You know, there's been so many kind of memes about this, and you know, there's been you know talk that this whole kind of episode was overshadowing the Queen's uh, jubilee kind of year, and it had to be sort of dealt with fairly swiftly. Hence the um, out of court settlement on the steps of the courthouse, effectively. And hence the money from her own
1: back pocket as well, by all by all accounts.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, Buckingham Palace are keeping very, very quiet about the, the why's and wherefores of that. Uh, I have seen reports this morning that you know something in the region of two million um, euros coming out of the Queen's pocket, but she does have a private purse. You know, I mean, I think this is, I mean, you know, on social media where everyone is having a, a reaction, there's there's very little talk of this. She does have her own kind of private fund. Um, it is thought though that that Prince um, Andrew is selling. A a chalet, a Swiss chalet in I think it's Verbier that um that he owned and that is going to to pay the majority of the of the settlement. As you do, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Tanya,
1: there's on a serious note. I mean, I'm mm. I personally am delighted that Virginia Dufresne is you know recipient of this. Uh, mm. I suppose, this uh, scale of settlement and that she can hopefully go live a life of peace and quiet now for herself. But there are some arguing that she should have gone forward for her day in court. What do you think yourself?
0: Yeah, yeah I mean, I did write about this in a column. I think there was an awful lot of pressure put on Virginia Dufresne to, you know, become a a, a sort of a poster girl for all victims of sexual violence and 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 sexual assault, you know. And I mean, a lot of people really wanted to see prince andrew really dragged to a, a humiliating ignominious place you know which would have been what would have happened likely in court i mean the 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 minutiae of his private life and his sex life and his 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 you know um we'll call it colorful sexual preferences if you want to put it like that all of that would have been Um, brought out in court. But then again, the same thing would have happened to Virginia Jouffre, you know. And it was already reported that, you know, lawyers had called her something like a money-hungry sex kitten. They had been looking for, you know, kind of into her past, you know, and I mean, I think any victim of sexual assault will tell you, you know, it's it's not for the faint of heart, you know, trying to, to bring a person to account you know for any wrongdoing you know what I mean Um, and you know I think it probably would have been catastrophic for for Virginia Giffray to be with everyone's eyes in the world looking on her you know I mean this is just a woman who wants to live her life she's got children she's got a husband she's got a a low-key life I think she just wants to get on and live her life now peacefully and quietly Mm -hmm. and I really hope this money will go some way towards doing that yeah The
1: British Queen has had quite a few scandals clocked up over the last number of decades, Tanya. Do you think
0: Mrs Parker Bowles was a factor in the breakdown of your marriage? Well, there were three of us in this marriage, so it was a bit crowded.
1: Going to Pizza Express in Woking is an unusual thing for me to do.
0: Concerns and conversations about how dark his skin might be when he's born. What?
1: I suppose most recently, most recently it was that Oprah interview with Harry and Meghan. Can you tell us a little bit yes. about this?
0: Oh, good grief. Poor Harry and Meghan. Um, so Harry obviously decided he he wanted to um, step away from royal duties. Um, and, I, you know, who can blame him? I mean, I think the, the British press, the British public had been incredibly cruel and unkind to his wife, you know, in, in many ways. So he decided to, to step back. Um, and that's all fine. I think there was a sense that they might retreat into California and just, you know, um, have a nice, quiet, peaceful life, which is what he asked for, uh, unfortunately. What they did instead was they went to um, Oprah Winfrey and did a, um, a, a an interview that obviously when it landed you'll recall, Denise, there was shockwaves. You know, um, she uh, Megan had accused an unnamed member of the royal family of of being. Um, Asking about their biracial children and and you know what their appearance might look like, and she's sp- spoken about kind of you know shoddy treatment at the hands of the royals and her own kind of mental health struggles. He won't be
1: given security. It's not going to be given a title.
0: And also concerns and conversations about how dark his skin might be when he's born. What? There are several conversations. There's a about conversation it. with you with Harry about how dark your baby is going to be? Potentially, and what that would mean or look like. That conversation (laughs) I'm never going to share. Um, But at the time... It was a very, very candid interview, which is always, uh, you know, Oprah's won't, let's be fair. But this is not how the royals have done things. You know, they do not go blabbing to Oprah on the world stage. You know, I I think that the Queen's kind of mantra has always been, is it never apologize and never explain or something like that or never complain. And she's just, inc- I mean, you know, she, she's she been 70 years on the throne now and she's not one for blabbing. So this kind of really threw a cat among the pigeons with the whole royal family, you know, and um, it just kicked up an awful lot of dust really, didn't it? Yeah. When you think about it. And I think
1: mm-hmm. what, what struck me about that interview as well was it was the first time we really had we had Princess Diana's uh, interview with Martin Bashir back in the 90s. But this mm-hmm. was like the first mm-hmm. time we had a modern insight into what life in the palace was like. Like the fact yeah, that like absolutely. Harry and Meghan didn't make their own choices about their daily lives. And it's mm-hmm. really hard for mm-hmm. 21st century people to get their heads around that kind of lifestyle, isn't it?
0: Exactly. Well, I mean, you know, I think, you know, the, the, the royals have always been survived in a way on being untouchable, unknowable, shrouded in that secrecy, a, a level above everyone else. And he really did pull down that curtain, you know. I remember him saying something very interesting. I'm not sure if it was necessarily in the in the Oprah interview, but he said that certain members of the royal family, you know, are in with certain newspapers and they they will leak and they will feed. But, you know, the 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 Faustian pact is, you know, they will not write something bad about you in that paper whereas if you are not involved in that you're thrown to the wolves you know and i just remember thinking when i heard about all this i was like it's not as it's not as easy as it looks being a royal you know in fact it it's probably a very um constricted uh, existence when you think about it you know yeah. even above all the, the pomp and splendor you know it's, it's it i think harry kind of brought the you know brought that to people's consciousness and especially at this time in a sort of an insta instagram world where you know like appearances are everything you know he really did kind of um pull all that away which was incredible you know yeah yeah it wasn't the first time
1: that um, an American, in quotation marks, uh, <laughs> co- <laughs> stirred up a bit of controversy in the royal household. We had the famous abdication of the throne by Prince Edward VIII Indeed. because he wanted to marry Wallace Simpson. And I think actually most of us have only just become familiar with this story, Tanya, because of possibly the Netflix crown. is the crown. Yeah.
0: <laughs> a few hours ago, I discharged my last duty as king and emperor. But you must believe me when I tell you that I have found it impossible to carry the heavy burden of responsibility and to discharge my duties as king as I would wish to do without the help and support of the woman I love. Yeah, I mean, I I remember um, hearing about this. And Madonna did a biopic as well, uh, with Andrea Riseborough playing Wallace Simpson, you know, which was fascinating. But it was an amazing. I mean, it was it was such an interesting thing. It was back to that whole thing about you know love versus duty. I mean, he married uh, Wallace Simpson in 1937. This is Edward VIII, and you know he was basically told as an American divorcee he wasn't allowed to do that. And he was like, well, you know what, if I if I can't marry her as the king, I'll step aside. And off I go, and this is why we have Elizabeth II on the throne now, basically because his brother took over uh, when he abdicated, um, and that means that that kind of um, bloodline, if you want to put it like that, you know, who had, had only been in the, um, you know, in the in the bloodline, we we'll call yeah. it for, for what 1937. I mean, we like to think of the royals as being kind of, you know, um, since time immemorial, but it's it's that particular. Um, Ascension we'll call it, has only been in place for about a hundred years. It's yeah. Kind of fascinating when you think
1: yeah. of it. And I always wondered, especially when I saw the Edward and Wallace storyline, I wonder mm. was that the kind of deal that Harry and Meghan thought they'd get? Like that the fact that they could go live in the south of France or Canada <laughs> yeah. or California. Well, well they kind
0: of died. They I mean they ended up living their their latter years in a sort of it wasn't quite humiliated, but you know, it was, was not quite how they expected it you know I mean they were not given the, the kind of the major perks of royalty I mean it was all fairly kind of low-key um you know they, they they remained married until he died in 1972 you know but um it was a very low-key and I mean as far I think in the crown you know they kind of made it out that he wanted to come back to the UK and 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 fulfill kind of royal duties and they were like nah forget it you know so um but it, there was also kind of you know, they had toured Nazi Germany and and stuff like that. I mean, it was it you know, it was definitely a uh, a marriage not without its uh,
1: colourful moments. We'll yeah, call it. yeah. So, Tanya, it's not just the UK, it's not just Britain where we see all these scandalous stories. We can look abroad as well to international royal Mm. families and the scandals that they find on their own doorstep. Mm. And you've done a bit of research yourself for this podcast. Can you tell us a little (laughs) bit about the, I'm so intrigued by the secret Belgian Princess Delphine. Can you tell us a little bit about this?
0: The the interesting thing about um, Delphine Boel was her name was that she was only found to be a, a natural child of King Albert II through the Belgian press, which I find really fascinating. I mean, this was a scandal that brought... Ridicule to Belgium's royal family. Again, had been bulletproof for as long as anyone can remember, you know. Um, But the writer Mario de Niels was working on a biography of Belgium's Queen Paula in 1999 and then found through his research that King Albert II had fathered an illegitimate daughter during an affair that lasted 18 years. Um, So Buell alleged that King Albert was her biological father during a 2005 interview, but it wasn't until he abdicated in 2013 and he lost his immunity to prosecution that she opened court proceedings. Now, as you can imagine, that would have been uh, fairly, you know, um, fairly explosive, you know. Yeah. Um, and she, she, you know, she said, you know, and the, the people of Belgium really vilified her, you know. And she said she became famous by shame and she was the dirty laundry of King Albert, you know. Yeah, I would be told, like, uh, couldn't your mother have taken the pill, um, you know, or you're a bastard. I've been called a bastard a lot, that I'm a troublemaker, That I'm putting Belgium under pressure? But, you know, the battle dragged on for seven years. There was, you know, tussles about DNA testing. In 2020, they they finally did do DNA testing, um, even though the king had previously resisted court orders, you know. Um, But yes, it it, 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 um, transpired that Albert had uh, fathered a child out of wedlock 51 years prior. Wow, 51 years
1: prior. That's something else. And isn't it funny how the people of Belgium actually turned against poor Delphine? Like is and it's a modern era
0: scandal. It's funny that they didn't stick yeah. up for her more, possibly Tanya. I just you know what, in some countries now, I don't know too much about the Belgian monarchy now, truth be told, but I just feel that in some cases, you know, the royal families in many countries are just held to such a high standard of like, you know, godliness and, and, and impeccableness and, you know, any sort of like, you know, um, I don't want to call it an infallibility because it's, you know, it's just fathering a child really but you know like they, they just have such strange kind of attitudes towards you know royals who 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 move outside that kind of box of duty i can't really describe it any better than that to be honest it is it
1: it's the same in the in britain it's a real conservative look at their royal family and and what they represent i think Tanya there's another one that interests me, the scandal of in Monaco involving Charlene and Albert. Can you tell us a little bit about this one?
0: Yeah, totally. This one, this one, I find endlessly fascinating because it's still sort of playing out, you know. Um, so, uh, Charlene Whitstock was a South African, uh, Olympic swimmer, and she began dating Prince Albert, and that was absolutely, you know, wonderful and fine. And they were meant to get married in 2011. It, um, soon became evident that Prince Albert, who is the son of of Grace Kelly, um, by the way, and Prince Rainier, um, he had fathered two illegitimate children outside of wedlock, um prior to that. Um, Now I'm not sure whether Charlene was aware of these instances or not but it it turned out that she got cold feet um, coming up to their 2011 wedding and a lot of internet um, reporting notes that she tried to um, leave their relationship three times before getting married and at one point is thought to have actually sought help from the South African embassy but anyway, she they did get married and you'll see online, you know, there are a lot of very tearful um, images of her in her wedding dress. You know, it just doesn't quite look like the the, the picture of Marital Bliss. Anyway, they <laughs> went on to have in 2014 uh, twins, Princess Gabriella and Prince Jacques. And Jacques, I think, might have been born first. Um, so he is the heir apparent, obviously. Um, now, the thing is, you might have noticed in the last while, well, I think Charlene is living in uh, back in South Africa, she's been dogged evidently by a lot of health rumors or health health problems. And, um, you, you know, there there have been pictures of her with her children. Um, but, you know, it's been noteworthy that they, they don't live together. They obviously live in Monaco with their father and she has been living in South Africa um, for most or much of the year. You know, so it's again, it's a murky um it's a murky scenario, you know, the press don't necessarily have the full story there. Yeah, uh, But there's and a lot of shadowy kind of stuff, I, I, you know, being reported, I suppose.
1: So what exactly is the curse of Monaco, do you think, Tanya? What, what is it? Oh, gosh.
0: I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know how it originated, but I think it, it originated with, uh, you know, obviously Princess Grace died in a car accident in the 80s at a very, very young age, you know. And her family, you know, which includes Princess Stephanie... And Princess Caroline, you know, there's, they've been a very colourful, you know, her children have been, um, how do I put this? They've just lived their lives really without the constraints of of um, of royal protocol. You know, I think either Stephanie or, or Caroline married their bodyguard. And, you know, I remember seeing them in the 80s in Hello magazine and they were just living their best lives. It was like one unending You know, after shave really. You know, (laughs) set against the the Monaco backdrop. I mean, who didn't want to be, who didn't want to be there? You know,
1: Uh, Tanya, my favourite scandal um, of an international nature, I think, has to be the King of Thailand, who made headlines after marrying a woman who was essentially his bodyguard. Tell us a little bit about this.
0: Well, uh, you know, first off, female bodyguards, bring it on, love it. So King Maha is Thailand's king known to be a bit of a playboy and in 2019 he ascended to the throne and married his fourth wife. Um, Two months later he appointed his girlfriend as a Thai royal consort. Um, Now before being crowned the Thai Royal Consort she'd worked as a nurse and earned a bachelor's degree in nursing at the Royal Thai Army Nursing College in twen- 2008 but after dating the king she became a bodyguard pilot parachutist and joined the Royal Guards Who It says being a royal is stifling That's oh cool God. She's cool I, I like mean, her already <laughs> <laughs> I know I want to marry her, my God. Um, but yeah, months after being named as the king's companion, she was stripped of her rank in 2019. And the reasons given were misbehaviour and disloyalty against the monarch, whatever that means. I mean, parachutist? I don't know. Um, the statement said she had been ambitious and tried to elevate herself to the same state as the queen. Um interesting. Uh, this king has formed, though. In 1996, he denounced his second wife and disowned four sons he had with her. She fled to the US. And in 2014, his third wife, wife, whose whereabouts are unknown, were stripped of all of her titles and banished from court while her parents were arrested and imprisoned. So, yeah, he's, he's, um, he's, a, he's, a, he's a dangerous man to know, I think. Yeah, he's
1: someone who's using his title, I think, uh, possibly his evil powers. There is one royal scandal that kind of caught our eye here in Ireland because there was a, a strange Irish angle to it. So Princess Latifa was basically mi- missing or believed to be kidnapped by her father and. Um, in Dubai, and there was a whole free Latifa campaign, and the world was looking for Latifa. And then next thing, we actually see a photograph of Mary Robinson, our own former president, sitting next to Princess Latifa at a lunch.
0: I let my heart lead my head. I went to help a friend. Uh, I, I was naive. I should have been more alert. I made a big mistake. I've made mistakes before. That's the big. Now,
1: Mary Robin said ever... said afterwards that you know she Princess Latifa was a girl who needed help, and that she seemed in good form. But actually, months later, she said on the Late Late Show that she regretted not bringing attention to Latifa's case at the time because it was very obvious that this girl may have been in distress. Tanya, it was very unusual for Ireland to have a connection of some sort to an international royal scandal, isn't it?
0: Absolutely. And the whole thing was quite shrouded in mystery, you know, which was, um, you know, I, I think, you know, and like to say the Irish element definitely piqued a lot of people's interest here, you know. But there's one uh, scandal before we go that I have, I think bears um, needs to be mentioned. It's um, King Carl Gustav of Sweden, you know. Now, in Sweden, you know, the royal family were always so incredibly respectable and, and, and flawless and a, a, a tell-all book. Um, came out in 2010 called The Reluctant Monarch. The book was, you know, the tell-all book, you know, um, had some fairly uh, hair-raising claims. And a lot of it might sound a little bit familiar if you've been following, you know, some of the the Prince Andrew stuff you know so some of the the uh, claims in the book um include that the king and his friends had enjoyed the company of coffee girls uh, who are women who would um, entertain the group what a what a beautiful euphemism that is coffee girls um but it was also alleged that he'd visited underground strip clubs he'd had an extramarital affair with a famous singer he'd had wild and I mean this is you know the the tabloid chat wild sex parties involving strippers you know including alongside a mafia boss in a in a Stockholm club wow you know? so Yeah. So, you know, you know what? I mean, who knows? Maybe some of these royals are um, having the time of their life sexually and they've just been kind of uh, a rich enough or smart enough to be able to keep it all under wraps. But you know what? Maybe in the age of the internet, that's not as easy to do anymore. Exactly.
1: Well, Tanya, I think I'm going to be adding the book about Carl Gustav to my must read list this evening. (laughs) We want to thank you as ever for your expertise and the lovely chat, Tanya. Thank you very much.
0: Thanks, Denise.
1: I'm Denise Cullinan and today's episode was produced by Siobhan McGuire, researched by Jane McNamara and sound design by John Smith. Our archive clips were from RTE1's Late Late Show, Independent.ie, CNN, Oprah Interview on CBS. You can follow the Indo Daily wherever you get your podcasts and even like or leave us a review.